Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. The goal of the ad isn't to get you to buy. The goal of the ad is to get you to take the action, to click into what the page is or what the experience is that will then swing you into buying. And so I think of ads as interesting, as fun, as anything that can get the thumb stop is a good ad by me. And when you're dating or when you're in ads, you have to really mix it up and see what sticks. And so I like to test a bajillion different ideas. What do brands like Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, Vital Proteins, and Blendjet all have in common? Retention.com is their highest performing ROAS channel by far. Visit retention.com to book a demo today. What's up, what's up, everybody? I get the pleasure on this wonderful Valentine's Day to interview my amazing wife, Ari Murray. Ari, you want to give a quick background of who you are? How did you get into marketing? How did you get into e-commerce? I got into marketing by a complete accident as a law school failure. I went to law school for exactly one semester, was very sad, and dropped out with no plan except to do anything else. And luckily it worked out. I applied to work at Snack Nation, which is a subscription healthy snack company from back in the day. And I had no experience, so they put me on their e-commerce customer service team as an admin. And I was very much excited to be on customer service because I thought, okay, I can talk to people. But then the e-commerce part actually caught my eye. And that's actually where I met you. So worked out. Let's start off with paid advertising. So since the theme is Valentine's Day, how do you use paid advertising to spark interest and make a connection with your audience? The goal of paid advertising is to get someone to pay you back for that money you spent to see them. And so it's basically sending them flowers or getting them to fully just want to learn more about you. So it's even before a first date. The goal of the ad isn't to get you to buy. The goal of the ad is to get you to take the action, to click into what the page is or what the experience is that will then swing you into buying. And so I think of ads as interesting, as fun, as Anything that can get the thumb stop is a good ad by me. And when you're dating or when you're in ads, you have to really mix it up and see what sticks. And so I like to test a bajillion different ideas. Uh, the creative team at Sharma does that all day long. And we like to throw everything at the wall and to get as much approved as possible, just knowing that maybe that will be the one that like allows them to fall in love with us. So you got to really just try a bunch of different things. And if you don't know about Ari, she's worked for some crazy brands like About Face by Halsey, produced by Kourtney Kardashian, and a bunch of others. And I want to go, one of the things that you're really great at is launching brands. So how do you think about when a brand comes to you and say, hey, I want to launch a into the D2C space, what are some things you think about when doing that? I think first you just have to understand the parameters. So are we launching strictly D2C? Are we launching to a audience we already own? Are we coming from scratch? Is this going to be stealth? What's our budget? 
and who is the team behind that launch. So are they on the product side and they need a digital partner? Are they on the product side and they still need help on product and digital partner? So it's kind of really specific and very much depends, but it's always just, this is the situation, this is the product, this is the timeline, this is the budget, and then letting the experts come in and do our parts without really uh, any intervention. And that's always, in my experience, when the launch goes the best, when the website is presented and there's minimal edits, and when ad creative is presented and minimal edits, because hopefully when you're launching, you pick the right partners that can come in and help to shape the things you don't know, just like how I don't know how to be a celebrity, but I do know how to be a marketer. Yeah. One thing also is that if you've seen Sean Brand's work or Ari's work, she creates great websites for these brands that are launching. So what makes a great website? What makes a great first impression for a brand when they come into a website? I think always that it's perfectly like tech setup. So quick to load, really not confusing and very intuitive is the bare minimum and also called best felony. We got to make sure as well that everything we're saying is really clear. So in that hero homepage, do we understand what the brand is selling or why? And then as we go down, are we gamifying the experience and making it fun without losing clarity? So it really is very much dependent on the brand and their style, but there's core components that our team never goes without. And then we mix it up and we test into every new change that we ever want to make. Let's go into this. What are some brands that you are love that you can give examples of, of what is a great website? The North Face has an incredible homepage hero at all times. And every time I look at their website, it's changed. And right now they have one that's focused on Black History Month and they always are showing the brand, the ethos, but then also the product in a really clear way. Durf Avenue, which is D-J-E-R-F. Right now on desktop, they have their founder in three different silhouettes coming out of her room, which she sells home goods and clothes. And she's showing you three outfits in four seconds. So I love that. Uh, Pangaea, I love. I love Tega. I could talk about this all day. I love Via Corota. There are so many, but all of them have a mix of flair and then just like deep fundamentals. And I know what I'm buying upon entry. I'll give you some brands I love. Chubby's, number one. Chubby's is my attest to that. Uh, Lululemon, love Lululemon. I want to go into, since it's Valentine's Day, what are some brands that guys out here could buy their significant other? Thank you. Venus at Fleur. I think that roses that last a whole year are very convenient because you could buy it now and then you know a year from now is next Valentine's Day. So you could just keep that as the gift. And then they always have flowers. That's what Daniel got me. I don't know how he thought of it. Such a good call. And then I also think that jewelry, you know, ring concierge, Stephanie Gottlieb, Jordan Road, and really there's just so many options with diamonds and that always works really well. And then even small things like go get her a coffee. Has she had coffee today? Have they had coffee today? What's for dinner? Like really thinking ahead on Valentine's Day will get you far. I just want to go into some B2B brands that I love too because I saw a question about um, from Kate about this, but HubSpot, love HubSpot. I love any B2B brand that makes you feel that you're better at your job, makes you feel that you're 
getting educated makes you feel that it's bigger than the brand. So HubSpot is one of the, the best out there. Gong did a great job at this. Drift back in the day did a great job of this. Audience Plus is doing some good things with this. What is a D to C hill that you would die on? That the growth team has to be responsible for everything digital that touches your customer, full stop, ad creative, final decision maker, website, final decision maker, CRM, final decision maker, tech stack, final decision maker. The word final decision maker is very key because there's a lot of unnecessary drama that comes with all of these approvals. And ultimately, the growth team needs to be accountable to those numbers. So they need to have the call. Full stop. We just came from an era of growth of all costs and everything, and now we're going into an era of retention and people having to optimize their funnels, people have to retaining more customers. And one of the best ways to do that is through a mobile app. Some There's some other ways to do that. But I want to ask you a question. How do you leverage a mobile app or to enhance customer experience and drive brand loyalty? I think the best thing about a mobile app is you can control that world. So when you're on a website, it's so easy to be shopping for a sweater. And then you just open a new browser and you decide, actually, this is a brown sweater. Maybe I want pink. I don't see pink. Let me leave. But if I'm in an app, I'm going to be more exhaustive in my search and spend more time. And then I'm able to get people to come back and shop my experience through push notifications, which are the unsung heroes of that entire experience because I can't handle the amount of SMS text messages I get a day from the brands I love. I get so many to the point where it actually is the turnoff where with a mobile app, it's a bit of a more subtle nudge into that experience. And it's also a lot harder to unsubscribe where it's so easy for me to text stop. But for an app, I'm not going to go and delete the app if you text me when I'm not feeling it. I just don't think of that as my way out of that experience. And so I think of an app as like a long-term sticky experience. And I think that any brand that has subscription or repeat customers at the forefront of their plan needs to get with the program. SMS is a great tool for, is a great channel, but I get bombarded by SMSs from brands. I, I seriously got like 13 happy Valentine's Day texts with offers from Valentine's Day from brands this morning. Um, felt a little popular. How do you execute a great SMS strategy? When is a great time to send a text message? How do you think about this? It's always a great time to send any message, whether it's text or email or social, when you have something to say. So I don't need a happy Valentine's Day and then just to be sent to your collections page that has the same stuff you had yesterday. I prefer you sit that one out. I think that SMS is great for offers, it's great for newness, and it's great for something that when someone has taken the energy to click into that text, there's something waiting that's specifically well thought out as a gift for them. And that's when it's a great time. And it's such an important channel and it's with great power comes great responsibility. So if you're going to take the money to send a text and also hit your list, you have to have something that is worth it to say. One thing that I think brands don't do, and I think you also always say this to me and every brand that you talk about that doesn't do this, you should hop on as is collecting phone numbers. What is a good reason to collect phone numbers? We're talking about retention right now. Like we're in a stage where having an own database like emails and numbers mean a lot. So 
why should brands start collecting it early, even if they don't have a text message program yet? It's data. And with data, you never know what you don't know. And I can learn a lot more from an area code than I can from someone's like shopping email address. And so that's one reason you never also can value an email the same way you value a text. So if one day your brand is ever going to go through an acquisition or if you're ever going to change hands, having, you know, 500,000 phone numbers and 500,000 emails is not the same. And there's just more value there. And then you just never know if one day your future will need it. So collect as much info as you can as not to make your checkout really clunky or to over index in how you acquire that info, but you still have to get it. You should never just turn your back on a channel, even if you're not ready for it. You should just premeditate that, wow, would I rather have an email and a phone number or one or the other? And you'd always rather have both. That's such a great point. I think a lot of people don't think of, okay, right now when we're launching, we might not need this, but two years down the line or a year down the line, we might need this strategy. So how do you, one thing that Ari's really great at is setting up tech stacks for companies and choosing the right tech stack that fits their growth goals and their goals for a company. Shout out to people who are in marketing ops as well, like me who used to be in it. How do you think about setting up a tech stack? How do you think about picking tools for a company? Just give a, a rundown on that. I think that's the best, most important step of like meeting a new brand or engaging with a new brand because there's always one way of doing things until you figure out that there's a better option at the end of the tunnel. And so there's nothing more fun than seeing what a brand is currently using and then also just hearing from them what their pain point is. And they might not know the name of the tech that they are missing that they need, but we do because that's all we do all day is look at tag and see what our brands are doing with the tech that we prescribe them. And there's nothing more fun than saying, okay, here is your current tech stack. You have 45 different tools or apps or combo. Let's take it to 37, but let's switch out these 10. And then showing the ROI and also helping to set up that tech stack and helping to make that migration is the most important part. Because if you get a tool and you don't use it to its fullest, then there's no point in going through the headache or the extra expense or any of the approvals if you're not going to actually like, use it the way it's meant to be used. So what we do is we get the client, diagnose what we would want to change to, present why, and then we help to stand up a tool in conjunction with each other. So that way it's not a go do this, it's we should go do this, maybe please go do this for you. And that works really well. The thing that a lot of people have is tech debt and tech junk in their in their tech stack and also they buy tools that they never use or don't use the full capacity and also a lot of tools could do the same things and they don't choose tools that that work that way what are some tools that you have in every single tech stack that you use my tech stack is always changing but i'm a shopify plus girly I'm spoiled. I like to customize my checkout. I like to have all of the apps that I use within Shopify set up for Plus. And so that's non-negotiable. Clavio, Postscript, Rebuy, Tapcart, Okendo, Passport. Uh, it could go on and on, but those are the ones that I can't imagine life without. And Northbeam. What are some important things to think about when collecting 
data for your brands? What are some things you look at for all brands? Well, first is you just need to make sure that whatever you're doing is compliant, even if it seems like, oh, we're a small brand and no one will come sue us. That's not true. And so I have a cookie banner and GDPR and all the legalities have to be in place on day one of a launch with zero dollars in revenue just because there's no reason not to. So that's like the first side of data is making sure that you're collecting in a responsible way. And then with great data, you can really learn as much as anyone else. So if you have all this information and you choose not to look at it or you save it for when you can afford an analyst, then you're missing out. And so we look at, on every ad, we look at uh, like click-through, watch time, thumb stop, all these different metrics. And then we always in, you know, in platform of all of our tools are comparing this is claiming attribution for this, but so is Clavio, but so is Meta, and really trying to piece together that puzzle. So it really depends on the brand and the stage and what we're looking at, but we look at it all in the brands that prioritize data, in my experience, are the brands that are just more responsible in other ways too. They're more responsible with their budgets, they're more responsible with the team that they bring on, and they're more responsible with their customer experience just because they are sort of nailing the fine-tuned details, which is really hard, but very important. Data is a compass to me. I think it tells you what direction to go in. It tells you how to find what direction. But I also think that the best marketers, the one thing data can do is protect the future. So the best marketers use data to justify some decisions, but they also use past experience, past knowledge, creativity to get them. That's why I think that even with AI right now, it's all about all the inputs that come into AI and and what the outputs. But if creativity is what humans inherently have and connecting dots. So that's why I think that like having intuition plus data is the perfect model. But I do think that people over rely on marketing attribution. I think marketing attribution is super important. But it's not something that should dictate what you should do in marketing and exactly right what channel. It just gives you kind of insight like, oh, this is working. This is not working. How should I adjust? How should I not adjust? So that's my insight. But I want to go into some fun questions. One question I have for you, because this will help me in the future, is what are some things that are on your wish list right now that I should know about? Ugh, we thought you'd never ask. I really want the row has a pair of shoes called Ophelia. I uh, know that's a sweater. It's Ophelia is the sweater I want from the row. I'll send you a link to the shoes, Carly, or if you could drop that in the chat. It has like a zipper. I need to find the name of them. But there's a pair of shoes. So two things from the row. I really want a restoration hardware cloud couch if I'm really good. That's what I would love for my birthday. Maybe not this birthday, maybe the big 30. And then a Dior coat. I also would love a Durf Avenue row, the one with the berries on it. Uh, do you want me to keep going? I'm lucky this is recorded because I I, I needed I need these notes after going. But I think anybody Ari has the best taste in the world, so get inspired of what she wants. But if you want to keep it in the chat, it is called the. Um, we'll I'll send it to you. Thank you, Carly. Another question I have for you that's fun is what is one of the favorite things I've ever bought you? I would say our first Valentine's Day when you 
said you forgot your basketball shoes, but then you like I opened the trunk to get them and you had roses and like a frame picture was really cute. It was like, oh yeah, he likes me. That was a back in the day when you're working in your first marketing job and you don't really have cash, you have to be creative sometimes. So yeah, sweet. R used to be very into like old style and I like to take credit. Oh, that. What do you mean by that? Tell them what you mean. I know what you mean. When I first went visited Ari's place, it kind of reminded me of like walking into my grandma's house, which is was cute that she loved that. But um, I got her into more modern style. So how did I inspire that in you? I think when someone comes to your house and says it reminds them of their grandma, you have to take like a look in the mirror. And I appreciated the feedback. I see your point. Looking back, it was a lot of ruffles. And I now do appreciate the silence that comes with a modern house without a bunch of crap in it. So I'm with you. You won that one. But I don't appreciate some of the terminology. But we're working on our behavior, so it's okay. <laughs> and yeah, that that is it for everybody. I already want to give some closing messages to everybody. Well, thank you so much for spending Valentine's Day with us. If you don't have a Valentine, uh, please be my Valentine. We can totally do that. I think Valentine's Day is fun, but it's also kind of a made-up holiday, so don't you know overthink it, and it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I had to have Daniel here because he's just such a good Valentine, but also a great marketer. The Marketing Millennials, which is Daniel's uh, bread and butter, is a podcast that you could listen to. You could listen to Go to Millions. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Valentine's Day. And we love you. See you soon. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.